Hello and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly, the weekly Shonen Jump manga podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy. And I'm your host, Kevin. Where every week we read all the chapters up on Viz's website and something else. It's going to be a good podcast, I can tell. Oh, yeah. It's Golden Week starting this week, so no Shonen Jump next week, which means we're taking the week off. And it came out a little early this week. Yeah. Which actually doesn't affect much, except for hopefully I'll remember it all, because I was super busy last night and was like, this is great, I'll read it early. And so hopefully I remember stuff. So shall we get into it, Kevin? Let's jump on in. So first we have a preview for a series starting two weeks from now, the next issue of Shonen Jump, which is Samurai 8, The Tale of Hachimaru. Yep. Story by Masashi Kishimoto and art by Akira Okubo. And if you're wondering if you should know who those people are, Kishimoto is the creator slash writer slash artist of Naruto. And they sure let you know that in this little preview. Yep. I looked up Okubo and all I could find was he was an assistant on Naruto. So maybe he was drawing it at the end there when Kishimoto's arm died. Or maybe he got a promotion. Maybe. Watch, we're going to find out he's like been the artist on Boruto or something. But I looked into it, and that's all I could find was was assistant on Naruto. Yeah, I mean, this might be his kind of breakout thing of like, hey, we saw you do some good work when you were just like filling in random panels or something like that. So we're going to give you your own illustration job. Yeah, it's interesting to see Shonen Jump doing a whole lot more writer-artist stuff since typically manga is all one person with a bunch of assistants who get a lot less credit. They've been doing a lot more American style. This is the writer and this is the artist. There's this. Neolation works that way. Promised Neverland is that way. One Punch Man is that way. Yeah. Although that's only kind of a Shonen Jump thing. Yeah, I'm. it still comes out in Shonen Jump. Yeah, but it comes out elsewhere first. Yeah. So the art looked very Naruto to me, but I'm not sure if that's the art style or how much Naruto imagery they put up in promoting it. To yeah, be like, I mean, hey, you like Naruto, right? Yeah, they have Naruto in like their full color page spread thing and it's naruto and the do we even know his name i did not write it down i assume it's hachimaru probably the main oh the assumed main character of the new series i don't know if i have anything really to say about the preview i mean i'm interested in it starting because i do like naruto yeah it looked kind of interesting it was the main character wishing upon a star and writing a thesis on what he wanted for his wish (laughs) Telling us all about him and how he's like a disabled sick guy. Yep. And then he was like, oh, wait, no, that'll be too difficult. I know. I'm going to wish to be a samurai. And that was the end of it. Talking to his robo dog. Yeah. So I don't know how sci-fi it's going to be. We'll see. Like I said, I had a very Naruto look to the art style, but yes. I'm not sure how much of that was just me being primed for that. Yeah. Or they might kind of be, we're going to, it's going to look a lot like Naruto because that's kind of what people want. So speaking of Naruto, next we have One Piece chapter 941, The Star of Ibisu, where the plot just continuing to move along with lots of stuff happening kind of off screen. And I wonder if my impression is just that because I've been watching the One Piece anime up till now and everything is stretched out as long as possible, if this manga pacing just feels too fast to me. It doesn't feel too fast for me from mainly reading the manga. Again, the since the anime tends to have to stretch everything out, they will kind of, oh, this thing happened off screen, we'll turn it into an entire episode. Or three. Yeah. I got caught up in One Piece, and boy, was there some fun stretching out. But anyway, the guy who was talking to Kanjiro and Kinemon earlier, who they didn't know who he was, gets captured now. 
And we find out that he is Ushimitsu Kozo, who's basically just another of their samurai brethren from before. Yeah, he was like Her one Triari of the, took over. He was one of the lords that teamed up with Lord Odin. Yeah. And they've lit Shuten Maru's base on fire, so he's trying to run away. Yep. Which is kind of happens not that definitely doesn't happen off screen, but like adjacent to everything that's going on. Yeah. So because he's Toko's dad, she runs off to try and save him and Zoro and the Orion and Brooke, who is also there now. Yep. Run off to see what's going on with him. Yeah. Apparently Brooke was hanging out in a well pretending to be a cursed spirit. Yeah. To scare people. I guess. I don't really know why. Like even he didn't explain it well. He was like, yeah, Kinemon told me to just go hang out in this well and yell things at people. Maybe that was the best way to disguise him. <clears throat> I, that's totally possible. Like, that is a great way of disguising him, is just hiding him in a well. And maybe that's what it was. Like, you can't be seen walking around anywhere, so we're going to stick you in this well. I remember having a lot of fun with it, especially, like, some of the Zoro jokes, but not a lot happened in this, and yet a lot also happened in a weird way. I guess that beginning reveal is a pretty big one, and they lead up to it, but we were already expecting him to be someone, so it feels weird that they reveal it so quickly. But hopefully it will lead to some conflict. Maybe Zoro will get another fight. Yeah. Well, I mean, they introduced him quite a few chapters ago. So Yeah, but they just introduced that he was Toko's dad and yeah, that he might probably had some sort of relationship with Kinemon and them very recently. Yeah. Which brings us to My Hero Academia number 226, Bloody Love, which is a Toga chapter, which pretty much what we were expecting. Yeah, well... It was well. I guess that it, we did a Toga chapter. It was. It would be either that, or we'd have to cut to one of the other League of Villains fights and Which then totally resolve possible. them all at once. Yeah, but there. It looks like they're resolving Toga separately, and maybe just Toga. Maybe they'll. I'm. I was kind of assuming we'll see fights for at least Spinner and probably maybe just Spinner and the main guy, Shiragaki, uh, some something. Tomura. Like you're you're thinking of his last name. I just okay. have his first name, which is Tomura. But yeah, this big thing of this one is basically Toga tries to escape from the reporter who's attacking her, and so she turns into Ochako. But then she manages to use Ochako's quirk, which is not something she's done before when she's transformed into people. Yeah, she's, she's had a mid-fight power-up like your typical shonen protagonist. Yes. And to be fair, all the quirks seem like they're getting power-ups throughout. And this does kind of seem like it's an arc designed to bring the villains up a level, especially yeah. after Izuku got that huge power-up last arc. Yeah. And a clear path forward. Yeah, it's pretty cool seeing from the villain perspective them be still being shown in protagonists. Yeah. Especially Toga, because I like Toga, so. Yep. And that's an obvious extra power to give her, but it still has the limit of she has to go get people's blood. Yep. But we also know that she has Deku's blood, so that could potentially be scary coming up. It depends on if it works like Copy Guy's ability where he could copy Ochiko's because hers is, like, in her blood, but technically Deku's wouldn't necessarily be in his blood. If you think about it, like, it's not originally part of him, so she might not be able to copy the quirk just like Copy Guy. That's fair, but he did ingest some hair, so he ingested DNA. He did ingest DNA, but again, they mentioned that, like, somebody eating, I think it was Stain eating his blood isn't suddenly going to get one for all, like, you kind of have to give it away. Yeah, but I don't think it will, like, steal Deku's blood. I think that's a possibility they were setting up, too. Early on, I thought that. But this might be a more temporary way to copy it. 
I don't think there's any risk really of her stealing it from Deku. No, I just I more meant it might be something weird where it's like in his spirit or in his soul or something like that. So you you're not able to copy it. And, and I mean, maybe she she might as well. Who knows? Which brings us to Food Wars Chapter 309, True Intentions, which is at least not what I expected. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. So apparently, so Alice and Hisoka show up, and apparently Joichiro sent them to go get Aaron as dad. Yep. And for reasons. Yep. And even they're kind of like, why? yeah, why did you want us to get this asshole? And he's like, oh, I needed to be here because Juritro is that kind of dick who just doesn't explain anything. Yeah. And most of this chapter is just this like flashback to this Shakespeare play of how Aaron's dad and mom got together, which actually I loved. But yeah. So it was them getting together and then his motivation for why he wanted, like why he was taking over Totsuki and trying to use Arena. Of he was like he was doing it to try and save them, even though even he realizes it was extremely warped. But Juichu was like, "Well, I mean, you were trying to save both of them, right? You weren't doing this out of malice. You were trying to save your wife from the terrors of the culinary or the storm that overtook Juichu." They keep referencing the fact that like he lost his way, Aaron his mom lost her way, and the storm keeps taking these high level cooks. So he was trying to find a way to combat that. Which is already set up back earlier in his arc, but it is interesting to see the other perspective, even though I don't really think it redeems him. Mostly, I just really like all the flashback stuff to him and Mana, who, which is Aaron, his mom's name, getting together. Yeah. And how closely it kind of rears, uh, and how closely it kind of mirrors Soma and Aaron's relationship. Yeah. So it was a pretty good chapter. Doesn't seem like it's padding things out exactly. That's not what I want to say, but it does make a really want to see what Soma's dish is since no, there was no real progress in this chapter. No. So it was more just kind of bringing Arina's dad back into the fold. And so there's probably going to be some big conversation with all of the Nakiri family because all of the current Nakiri family is here. I don't think Alice's dad is there, but. Oh yeah, that's true. So but he most show up. <laughs> yeah, I was like, so most of the Nakiri family is here. Also, there's a pretty good joke about how the people who staffed the blue had robes prepared just in case the gifting happened and everyone lost their clothes. Yeah, and even they were like, we weren't expecting it, but we were prepared for it. <laughs> Which is a pretty good joke. Yep. Which leads us to Chainsaw Man Chapter 20, Drinking. Great title, by the way. What did you think of Chainsaw Man this week, Kevin? It wasn't my favorite. Like, I thought it was kind of interesting, but... I felt like not a whole lot happened. I agree with you. I ended up putting it pretty low. Some of the jokes work pretty well. Yeah. Like, I like the captain just being like, ah, oh, we should all go drinking so everyone will forgive each other. Because the newbies all feel super guilty for wanting to kill Denji. Idiots. Everyone should put their self-interest first. I want to kill Denji. You don't see me feeling guilty. Yep. And then Aki is going to bring Makima, and they're meeting up with some of the other squads. The other people in their squad, specifically. Yeah, but they were talking about... Because like, they each had their own newbies, so I don't know how big the squad was. Because the one guy mentioned that his newbies were dead. Yeah. But I assume it's all like Makima's like, weird Yeah, probably. Unit. Because one's like, oh man, your fiend can like act in society. That's cool. Mine's way too violent. I had to leave them at home. Yeah, that's more what I meant. Like, I guess the it's the difference between like their platoon and their squads. 
or something like that. I assume it's going to be a more like they mix sort of situation. Like probably Bakima might send Denji on a mission with anyone just because she's assigned him to Aki like temporarily. Yeah. Or not even temporarily, but to be watched, she's going to work with him more. But I assume like as a military unit, they could be sent in any configuration. Yeah. And but the jokes are basically Chainsaw Man jokes. Power going like all the nigiri is mine. Yeah. And she's and, just like hold and she's holding on to the thing. I'm mostly thinking of Denji being super base at the end when yeah. he's like, Yeah, give me that kiss and Makima comes in and she's like, Hey, you're gonna kiss someone? Denji's like, Oh well, no, no way. And then the captain's like, You don't want to kiss me? He's like, Yeah, hell yes, I do. Yeah. Well, and one of the other guys is like, Oh, when the captain gets drunk, she gets really kissy. Yeah. So she's kissed everyone here. Yes. So uh at first Denji's like, Yes, that means my kiss is in the bag. Yeah. I did think that was funny, though. Not horribly funny. Well, I guess that works as an adjective. Yeah, I've kind of, I've just kind of cooled on Chainsaw Man. This arc was not really what I wanted it to be. No. I was super excited for, I mean, early on. I thought the characters were really strong, but the ones that have been introduced lately, I'm not as interested in. And the humor has really kind of seemed one note of late. Yeah. It could, it's shown some light, so it's not like I'm giving up on it, but I know what you mean. I've cooled on it is a good word for it. Which brings us to Hellward and Higuma Chapter 18, The Price, which at least has Ayaha back, who continues to be the best part of Hellward and Higuma. Yep. He's been gone for more than long enough for me to miss her. She runs basically to where Higuma had his fight and runs into the other two Hellwardens. And like, ah, oh, hey, it's Higuma's Bruja. Hey, uh, we're looking for his right foot. You want to help us out? Yep. We also see the villains kind of arguing in the aftermath of the fight about yep. what they should do. We also get a tiny bit of world building that the smoke demon can only influence demons that have spent less time in hell. So he cannot actually influence Akagne because Akagne is more powerful or older. Yeah. Whatever. Also, Higuma completely recovers. His He gets his limbs stitched back on, I guess. Yeah. Which is fine, given his powers. That does make kind of sense. Yeah. I hope not every fight from now on involves him getting delimbed, though, because it's really going to lose some of the impact. Yeah. Well, and they mentioned that Higuma uses his own life force to speed up his healing. Yeah, that's what I thought you were going to talk about when you said we got some world building. That was what I was leaning on. Like, there was the bit, there was the world building with the smoke demon, but... There was the world building with, so Higuma's family has had the ability to manipulate their life force since before they became Hellwardens, and controlling the Zaiju uses, like, so little of it that it's inconsequential. Like, the reason that they, or the way that they released the old man the first time was with that ability to control their own life force. Yeah. So... Because Aiha is like, I can't believe Enma forced this thing on you that forces you to expend your own life force to be Hell Wardens. That's so cheap. And Higuma's kind of like, no, nah, we've always had that ability. Like, this isn't that bad, actually. Yeah, the thing I didn't like about that bit of world building is it really kind of relegates Ayaha to more of a support role. Like, yeah. there's less chance that she'll be more directly involved. We'll see. Well, there's especially... always a chance that'll change, but... Yeah, especially because when she's meeting up with the Hell Wardens, they're kind of like, oh, yeah. If you're not a Hell Warden, you basically can't do anything against high level demons. So just you're gonna just stay at home. And yeah. Like, uh, well, which I assume she'll reject that at least, but we'll see what ends up happening. That can always be set up of like obstacles in her way. 
It could be, and I hope she does overcome them, but it might just be more of a reason for her to not show up all the time or only be there, like, at the aftermath. Like, oh, I can't actually help you fight the demons, but I'll help you recover. Okay. Yeah. Not as good. No. But Hellwarden is another one I've cooled on, but of the kind of three that started around that time, I think it is the one I'm liking most right now, just because I think it has the most potential. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, that leads us to Neolation Chapter 19, My Friends and I, which I wanted to talk about. Do you know why I wanted to talk about this one, Kevin? No. Uh, this is the last chapter of Neolation. Is it really? It says the end at the end. It has been canceled. I am not surprised. I'm not surprised either, but I wanted to talk. We talk a lot about the weird things that the Japanese comics industry does that the American one doesn't. There's a very, very small the end in the bottom left corner of this. It doesn't. It's not sent off with any sort of fanfare or anything. Not that I really expect a series that kind of failed and only got 19 chapters to get like a big farewell. Yeah. Clearly, this was kind of considered a failed experiment. But I kind of had to do a double take when I saw that. Like, I literally closed the page and was like, wait, the end. It normally says next chapter is coming out on this day. And I reopened the tab and it said the end. And I looked it up. And the only place I could find confirmation was the Neolation Reddit, which had a like Japanese scan of this is the last chapter and like a little news sort of article thing on it that it had translated. Huh. Which makes the odd pacing of this chapter in particular make a lot more sense. Yeah. And I kind of have to wonder when he found out it was going to get canceled. Is that why some of the stuff in the previous chapters we were talking about felt rushed? Did he like have to make everyone Neo's friends because he didn't have more time? Or did he find out halfway through this chapter and have to suddenly make it the end? Yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I do feel bad for the guy, even though I didn't like his work. It kind of sucks to have it be canceled, especially kind of on the nose like that. Yeah, and I feel very bittersweet about it because Neolation is kind of the first thing we've been reading to end since we started this podcast. Yu-Gi-Oh! Zexel actually also ended, but we pretty much stopped talking about that. And that ended because it got to the end of the anime it was adapting. So yeah, it feels like a different thing. And a big reason why we started this podcast, like I talked about in the earlier episodes, was that I realized how much work you have to pour in to make a weekly manga like this. Yeah. And like how much of your soul goes into it, even if it's not something I like. So I'm real sad that it didn't like get better instead of getting canceled, especially since those flashback chapters of Neolation I actually did like. Yeah. And I was starting to think it might be able to go somewhere. But this does feel like a final chapter in some ways. Sort of everybody kind of shows up. Yeah. And they do. The last couple of pages feel kind of rewritten, though. Yeah. To me, once I knew that and looked back at them. That makes a lot more sense thinking on it. Like, I noticed that it said the end, but I thought it was just something weird about, like, this is the end of the arc or something like that. Yeah. But, like, it ends with Neo going to eat hot dogs with his friends and be like, yeah, we're friends. I'm going to do this alone. They're like, no, you're not. And, like, there's a shot of the villains being like, oh, that Neo, huh? Yep. Which It's too bad it's getting canceled. Clearly it had unresolved plot threads, although I'm not going to miss it every week. That's no. for sure. Well, there's like two or three villains in the villains meetup that we don't know. I think we've seen them before, but we, we have. But really... that was with that was when they were like at the other villains meetup. Yeah. So like we know they're part of the villains, but we don't know who they are, and we never will. Yeah. So it, it really sucks for that those guys. It was a two man team, especially the artist. I hope gets some more work because there's was some really good art in Neolation. Yeah. And well, even this chapter, there's a 
shot of some guys shooting a stun gun that gets dodged, and that panel really stood out to me. Yeah. And so maybe they'll both get more work. Maybe just, like, this idea just didn't end up panning out. Yeah, and, like, I'm really curious when we go back to read some of the work by people who went on to do more famous things. Like, I wonder how Zombie Powder ends or how the two series that the guy who wrote My Hero Academia did ended. Yeah. If they're sim- on similar notes. Because a lot of times people do ha- go on to more successful work later. Yeah, but generally they have a bit more of a run than 19 chapters. Yeah. So I won't miss it. I'm looking forward to Samurai 8, but it is kind of bittersweet to me that it's ending like this. Yeah. So that next that leads us to Demon Slayer chapter 156, Thank You, which I thought was a pretty decent chapter, although a bit anticlimactic. I guess your idea that Akaza is going to stay around is wrong. Hey, I wrote down his name so we'd have it for later. Yay. So <laughs> glad you did that. Because I was like, yeah, he might turn her. Oh, nope, he's turning to dust. He's disintegrating. And okay, he, then. And his ex-girlfriend's dragging him to heaven. Yeah, I mean, like, it's a resolution to his story arc, but it just felt weird being like, this guy's super important, and now we're having, like, all this backstory into his motivation of how he's kind of like Tandro. It's like, oh, that's kind of neat. And then he ends up killing himself. Uh, oh. Well, I guess I guess not killing himself, more like letting himself die. Yeah. I, there's uh, a very slight distinction there, but... He is committing suicide by Tanjiro, mostly. Actually, when he's starting to disintegrate, he's kind of giving, because what had been forcing him to regenerate was his will to get stronger. And he realized he's like, I don't need to anymore. And so he kind of just gave up, and that's why he died. Yeah. And he's like, also, Tanjiro definitely already beat me. He is stronger than me. There is one really good panel of Tanjiro punching him in this, though. Yeah. That really stood out to me. Some real cool art, but... Yeah. It wasn't a horrible chapter, but it was just kind of disappointing because I thought, oh, maybe he'll like turn around because like they have demons on their team already. I mean, they weren't the upper moons, but maybe there was something to come from that. Like, oh, maybe they'll turn him to his side and he'll help him out against the other upper moons. It's like, no, no, he's just dead. And they are looking for like a demon cure that could apply to this guy. Yeah. So, yeah, a bit anticlimactic isn't even the right word, but like it's definitely surprising, which is nice. But... Yeah. And way more sad than i was expecting yes although also kind of happy he gets you know we get to see some afterlife imagery he gets to be with all the people who who died who pissed him off yeah he gets to have his own happy ending even though it's not a happy ending for us yeah which leads us to the last sayuki chapter nine the doorway to summer and what really struck me about this chapter especially after Neolation, I've talked about this before, but the three series that started with Neolation I'm kind of cooling on, and Last Sayuki seems determined not to do that, because it keeps thinking, seeming like it's throwing all its ideas all at it once and not pausing for anything or settling into a status quo. Yeah. Especially here, and this is a very reflective chapter that basically all takes place in Ryunosuke's dream, where he has been infected's not the right word, but Visited. Visited by Kei, who is the spirit inside Koharu, who is half of Son Goku, has, that's been alluded to. Yep. And she's just kind of expositing at him, slash having this emotional conversation where she's like, hey, since we're in a dream, I can delete all your memories if you want, you know, like the white Baku does. Yeah. That's within my power. I can let you have your summer vacation. Yeah. Because no matter what you do, Koharu is going to open everybody's moo and create the strongest monster like there is nothing you can do to stop that yep but what you could do is become strong enough to defeat that monster if like 
that's what you want to try. That's what you have to do if you want to stay with her. Yeah. And there's a lot of really cool stuff about. So when people close their moo, they impose limits upon themselves. And so what opening your moo and becoming closer to the true human form allows you to do is if you do not believe that it's impossible that you can just reattach your arm, you can do it. Yeah, there's lots of cool, this is how special powers work in this setting stuff. about like That ties in with the Moo stuff about Moo being, believing that supernatural things aren't real. Yep. And the idea of, hey, there's this true human form that if you just ignore your limits, you can reach, which is a very cool anime idea. Yeah. Um, and that there's also this kind of, I don't want to say risk, but she's like, hey, but remember your attachment to Koharu, because the closer you get to that, the less like emotional you will be. Yeah, it's like the more you transcend, the more you forget your own humanity. Yeah. Which kind of makes sense. Eventually, you get if you give up everything that makes you human, you're su- even though you're technically human, if you give up on all your limitations, which is what a lot of humanity is not focused on, but has a lot of basis in, then if you give all of that up, you're no longer human. Yeah. Which is really cool, because it's like, this is the true human form, but the true human form is absolutely not human. Yeah, it's got a very Buddhist influence, which yeah. makes sense given the culture this story's coming out of. Yep. But already at Chapter 9, I feel like there's been way more ideas and less Sayuki than either Hellwarden or Chainsaw Man had. Yeah. And I hope they keep them up. And I also really, really like the end of this chapter because it turns out one of my favorite things in like media is just girls acting like magical girls and being embarrassed when they're caught. Yep. I, I did not know that was my thing, but every time I see it, I love it. And that is how this chapter ends, with Ryunosuke waking up, being taken in by the two people who showed up at the end of last chapter, basically. Yep. And he sees her acting like a magical girl while he's presumably asleep, and then she's super embarrassed when he sees it. Yeah. And so at the end of the dream with Ryunosuke and Kay, when uh, Kay was kind of like, hey, I can erase your memories and give you your summer vacation. You know, you're a kid. You don't need to go through this. And Ryunosuke being like, well... Just like with my one friend who helped me get over my mom's death, I need to get over this at some point. So there's no real reason to keep running. Like, sure, having my summer vacation would be great, but the summer vacation is going to have to end. And it'll probably be a lot more dangerous if I take it. So I'm going to stay and help Kaharu. And at first, he's kind of like, I'm going to try and save her from... Uh, opening up everyone's moo, and that's when Kay is like, no, that's going to happen. There's nothing you can do to change it. Instead, you need to be able to defeat the ultimate monster. And if you do that, then everyone is saved. Yeah. Anyway, really liking this manga, so I hope that it keeps it up. Which brings us to We Never Learned Question 109, Spirits on the Sand Draw Tomorrow's X Part 3, which has assumed me playing Doctor, basically at her maid cafe and just her scolding all the nerds who frequent the maid cafe about their bad life habits. Yeah. And basically give them decent medical advice because she sees them all the time. So she's like, Hey, you spent, you stayed up all night playing your new video game and you've been eating too many carbs or salts or whatever. And even Yugi is like, wow, that was actually like good medical advice. She's like, well, it's easy if you know them and see them all the time. It's much harder when you don't know somebody. Yeah, and there's kind of a lot of comments about, yeah, I remember when I was a kid and I had just a personal doctor I could go to. But now it's all big hospitals and you never see the same guy twice. Yep. Which, you know, is obviously leading her towards 
some realization, but she still hasn't got it because at the end of the chapter, she teases Yu-Gi-Oh some more of a thing like, no, you said we were going to play doctors. Now we're going to play doctor. Yep. And she makes him listen to his heart, her heartbeat. It's just super fast and, you know, shenanigans, as my notes like to say. Yep. But then it ends with her being like, hey, it was nice to have this like last chance, like this one last memory. But then Yu-Gi-Oh like picks her up bridal style. He's like, no, I didn't do this to give you a nice memory. And then he lays her down on the bed. Yes. And the chapter ends. Yes. So obviously he's going to have a talking to with her, but that does not seem what it's implying. Or they're actually going to play doctor. You never know. Well, maybe. I feel like there aren't enough people watching them to blush for that to happen. Possible. But anyway, we never learn always pretty good, especially when it gets to the high emotional stuff like this. But this seems like the most, not transitionary chapter, but the most you need A and B, uh, C, this is B sort of chapter that we've had even in one of these stories. Yeah. Which maybe means we never learn is just going to go to some more long long form storytelling stuff, which I think it can sustain because it's very good at keeping the jokes in a chapter funny, even when it's doing other stuff. Yeah. And it's starting to reach the emotional climax of like, it might be nearing the end of its run. Like Yu-Gi-Oh, the whole thing has been him going to college and eventually he's going to go. I mean, they can stretch it out for probably still quite a lot more, but it seems like we're reaching the climax of everyone getting, I think the end of the series is going to be all of them getting into or deciding on what colleges they're going to go into and what they're going to be. Which would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Clearly, it's going to have an Archie style or a life with Archie style split at the end where it just shows Yu-Gi-Oh's life if he married each different girl and how they're all somehow awful. Somehow. Somehow. Which brings us to the Promised Neverland chapter 133, Let's Play, which uh, the last thing we're going to talk about, you wanted to talk about because it's weird. But my only note for this is, well, that's trippy. Yeah, but I mean, that's kind of the point of the whole chapter. Yeah, it's a very weird chapter. It's going to be hard to describe because so much of it is art-based. Yeah. But there's some really good M.C. Escher-style art to show how weird things are. Yeah, it, it definitely felt like they were going on this weird hallucination trip. And I don't talk about how good the art in The Promised Neverland is enough because it's very, very good. And I talked about that early on, especially the way they draw different people. Yep. So this is really just a tour de force of what the artist can do. And there's weird stuff about Ray and Emma, like, aging up and down. And at first you think it's metaphorical, but then they comment on it. Yeah, and it's, like, literally happening to their bodies. And they're getting turned back into kids. And they're seeing their mom. And they're at Grace House. And then all of a sudden, everyone's got skulls for faces and is shouting, let's play, let's play. And they're not freaking out, but they start shooting at doors and are trying to, like, break out of here. Like, clearly something is horribly wrong. And we need to do something about it. So, yeah, apparently going through the gate means you just drop some really bad acid. It's implied that so the the thing that they were kind of talking to at the end. Yeah, like it's got that demon name symbol, which I don't really know much about that. So even so Emma, I think, has seen it in a dream or something like that, like once. And we know that Emma, Ray and Norman were going to be fed to it at one point. Yes. But obviously that didn't happen because weirdly, I think just because that symbol's hard to deal with, the anime doesn't really go into that at all. And I feel like the manga probably does some more in that section. I know it does at least a little because of probably. the part I read. Yeah, it just the whole thing is that it's a symbol. So, like, how do you translate yeah, that exactly. into sound? 
I guess you can make some weird noise and have that be it, but it's like the whole point is that it's supposed to be unintelligible. Yeah. But anyway, a very weird chapter that makes me excited to see what's going on. Yep. And just, like I said, artistically really strong. Yeah. Which leads us to what you wanted to talk about this week, Hell's Paradise, Jigo Karashi. I did not write down the chapter. I think it's 52. Sure. I'm a bad person. I think it's 52. No, I think it's 55. Okay, maybe. Because I think, I remember, I think last week was 54.1. That would make sense, because last week they didn't have a chapter. Yeah. All right, so you want to take the recap on this one? Because it's a pretty weird chapter. It's a very weird chapter. So we have, because I don't know anybody's names, we have the guy who can regenerate himself has landed in the bottom of like a ravine or something like that after his big fight and is approached by who I now assume is Lord Tenson. It's some sort of woman. Uh, it's some sort of gender ambiguous person. That's that's what I mean by Lord Tenson. There's a whole lot of plant imagery with it. So he's fighting that person and he manages to beat it. And the person's like super interested in him. And suddenly there's like hundreds of them. So that's what makes me think he's Lord Tenson. Yeah. Because there's suddenly hundreds of him. And he captures the guy and is like, I really am interested in you because you somehow managed to blend tau and tan perfectly which is next to impossible like i didn't even think i he, i think at one point he says like i didn't think it was possible until i saw you so you might be the answer to the question that i've been looking for so then they the being decides that it's going to use sexy nojutsu to heal him to which which has been like expressed as a thing that happens in this series before since we've yes. started reading it but my notes is and now sexy times <laughs> i basically yeah because it's I, I had assumed it'd been a dude the whole time but suddenly suddenly she has breasts at the suddenly, very least yeah, suddenly it's a naked woman or it has breasts and is like well we need to be in harmony in order to have the sexy no jutsu work so how do you like it and that's the end of the chapter and i was just like what and also okay. his legs have been cut off at this point which maybe that's why she needs to sex him back to health. I don't know. Yeah, I it is weird. Sure is. So yeah, we went through it kind of fast, but all the chapters were kind of fast this week. I think because there's a week off next week, there's a little more incentive to leave strong cliffhangers here. Yeah. And not get into too much. I am real excited to read most of next week's issues. So Yeah. Shall we get into jump card? Let's do it. So Jump Card is the segment where we rank all the chapters we read this week from our least favorite up to our favorite. 17 this week. So you want to start with number 17, Kevin? I did not rank the preview for Samurai 8 because Neither it was not I. enough of uh, it. I didn't count content. it as a chapter. Yeah. So for me, number 17 was Haikyuu. Me too. 
Boy, is you boring it, sometimes, it, I huh? Like it's volleyball, and they're talking about volleyball things. I'm like, man, if I maybe understood volleyball a bit more, I would understand what was going on. But they were like, yeah, sports things. It's difficult, I guess. But this guy did something cool. I guess. All right. I, that's just, that's kind of the chap. That's what I got out of the chapter is like sports things. Yep, me too. What do you at 16? So at 16, I have you and Camille. Yeah, I mean, Yui Kimiya is higher for me. I continue to like it more than you. Yeah, I Maybe just, just because I want a, another jokey manga in my Shonen Jump. I And I'm just not a fan of the humor, I think is the main thing about it. So that's just why it typically ends to go lower. Like, I understand that they're trying to be funny, but it, it just it's not funny to me. Now, that doesn't mean that it's bad. It's just, if it's not funny to me, it's not something I'm going to like. Yeah. Number 16 for me is Neolation, and I feel bad about putting the last chapter that low, but it just felt so rushed. To get and, to that end, to end on a decent note. Yeah, and just I it it's number fifteen for me, and just like that, I like I didn't realize it was ending, so I thought it was a very weird ending to the chapter. I was like, huh, that's kind of weird. That kind of came out of nowhere, and I guess it because it probably did come out of nowhere. They're like, oh yeah, this is your last chapter. Oh, yeah, so I, I don't like to resolve I said, anything. I feel like that scene, last scene with the villains was probably drawn already, and he had to redialogue it. Probably. Yeah, just a real end of the chapter. And I'm sad to see it go that way. But again, I'm not really going to miss it. I just no. feel like I punched it so much. And now I feel bad. Like I was always punch up, not down. And seeing it get canceled makes me feel bad in that way. Yeah, but it does make room for other things. So it's not the worst thing ever. Yeah, but at the same time, what it's making room for is another series by the Naruto guy. And I like that guy, but he's had his chance. Yeah, well... I remember reading somewhere that there's a couple more series that are going to be coming out throughout the summer. Which makes sense. So maybe it's not specifically this one that it's being made way for, but. And like Neolation was at least different. It was bad different, but Chainsaw Man and Hillward and Higama are almost interchangeable in a lot of ways. They both feel like, you know, some shonen stuff. Yeah. Nothing super original there. Speaking of my number 15 is Jujutsu Kaisen. I've been liking this arc more, but I feel like this was just some fight stuff. And I guess the fight stuff in Jujutsu Kaisen just doesn't do anything for me. Because I thought understanding the stakes a little better and the characters a little better, I would like this more, but it just really didn't do much for me. That makes sense. So my number 14 was Hell's Paradise, because that was a weird chapter. Yeah, I put it quite a bit higher, because it's a weird chapter, I think. I liked some of the reveals and stuff, but Hell's Paradise is always like super weird, too rank it feels like a dream a lot of the times when you're done reading it yeah it would probably help if i had read all of it i don't know if it would or not i at some point i will get the free time and actually do it because it's not that many chapters i'm gonna have to read and they're all on shonen jump yeah so it's like i i just don't know why i haven't done yet and at some point this boat of other characters is gonna show up yep so at 14 i put chainsaw man we basically set our piece on that just a lot of stuff I felt was better than Chainsaw Man this week. It was fine. Some of the jokes worked, but it wasn't anything super exciting or new. So my number 13 was Black Clover. Hey, mine too. Because weird Black Clover chapter. Stuff happened. A lot of stuff happened. Like, is I felt like you might have put it higher because it felt like there were a lot of reveals of stuff in this that I didn't have context for. Like, the ending reveal seemed really cool, but not a whole lot. Happened. It also seemed a bit deus ex machina. Yeah. And so I'm a- I'm hoping next chapter will be a little bit more interesting once that gets resolved more. But it was more the beginning of the chapter where it was like, we've been attacked by this weird thing that Asta is immune to. So we need Licked, Asta, and Yuno to go fight Satan. 
weren't they doing that already? Like literally, like two chapters ago. I True. Mean, it makes sense, but it's like, oh, Satan ran away. Uh, we better chase it. I think that's what we were doing already. But yeah, cool. And so that Nero turns out to actually be a person that has been stuck as a bird the whole time. Is it a person or is it another devil? It's a weird. It might be a fairy. I kind of thought it was like the original Wizard King's devil, and the reveal was going to be he had a black clover grimoire too. That's what I took from it, but I also wasn't really sure. I'm not sure either. They didn't explain it too much. So it that is the case. He might be first Wizard King's devil because he had he did at one point have a four leaf grimoire. So maybe he grew a fifth one, but maybe not. But he so Nero like petrified the first Wizard King to preserve him and has now partially reanimated him. And the first wizard king is going to go fight Satan, I guess. Yeah, that's what it seems like. Sorry. Which, like I said, seems a bit Deus Ex Machina to me. Yeah. Seems very the end of Naruto, where it's like, oh, we've got all these Kages running around now. Yeah. What do you have at number 12? Uh, number 12, I have Dr. Stone. There was actually some really cool stuff going on with Dr. Stone. Yeah, I put it a bit higher this week, because it was one I liked a lot more than I have lately on Dr. Stone. It didn't seem to fit the Dr. Storm formula. It didn't. And I probably should have rated it higher, but that's just where it ended up. Number 12, I have Yui Kamiyo. Because, like I said, the jokes do kind of work for me. It's not amazing or anything, but it's always a little bit refreshing. And I really feel this week that the characters actually felt more like characters. Even Yui Kamiyo seemed to have more of a character than normal. And it was, you know, the white-haired one, too. So, yeah. That really helped it up. I feel like the characters are finally solidifying. And Yui Kamiyo is really a series I would rather see get better than canceled, if only because it's another humor thing. And that really helps the pacing of just reading it as a whole chunk. Yeah. Because a lot of, I think, the reason why We Never Learn always goes so high is it's kind of a brush of fresh air, even when it's a funny chapter of Food Wars or One Piece or whatever. A pure comedy series helps. And I think there are some good ideas there. I am probably giving it more credit than it deserves, but... Yeah, like I said, it's just not my kind of humor. So if it's going for a humor series and I don't like it, it'd be like, I don't like the way they draw the fight scenes, which is kind of how I feel sometimes about Chainsaw Man. It's like, I don't like the way he really drives the fight scenes. So if it's going to be an all-fight shonen manga, I'm not going to enjoy it that much. Yeah. So my number 11 was Jujutsu Kaisen. I'm a bit more invested in the characters, so I like this a bit more. And I do still like their combats. So we have... The one cool thing to take away was that this whole deal was about recovering another one of Sukina's fingers. So that's why this cursed spirit had been taking people. And they noticed it started happening six months ago when the main character first ate Sukina's fingers. So there's kind of a like a link between that and why this cursed spirit, because he ate, they presumably ate one of Sukina's fingers and got a lot more powerful. That's what always happens with those cursed fingers. It's kind of like the... Shigunjul? Yeah, or the gun devil bits in Chainsaw Man. Okay. How, like, if one of the devils eats a bit of the gun devil, it becomes more powerful. Same thing with Sukina's fingers, which is why the main character is pretty powerful. He has, like, three or four inside him at the moment. All right, at number 11, I have Hellwarden. Because, like I said, kind of cooling on that. Having Ayaha back was cool. Some of the world-building stuff was cool, but it didn't do a ton for me. Yeah. So, my number 10 was Chainsaw Man. Not much more to say on it. It was kind of funny, but not great. 
my number 10 was Hell's Paradise. I think I just like the kind of more mature tone it has. It always kind of surprises me. And this at least feels like it's going somewhere. Hell's Paradise always feels like it's going somewhere and then just takes a hard reverse all the time until it's like going in these weird spiraling circles. Yeah. And again, maybe having read the whole thing will make those like it still probably be weird and take a lot of right angles, but maybe I'll understand them better. And so it won't be as weird and disorienting. So my number nine was Hellwarden. Again, not much more to say about Hellwarden. It was all right, but I guess I got a little disappointed that I'm hoping that it's just them being like, all right, Iha, you're not going to be involved in any of these fights. You can't do anything is like her being able to overcome some kind of barrier, maybe gain her own Hellwarden powers. Or different powers. Or or different powers, but her own powers, and not just, all right, so here's the justification for why Iha won't be in every chapter. Yeah. So at number nine, I put Demon Slayer. We I basically set our piece on that. Kind of a disappointing chapter, but not a bad chapter. Yeah. Just not really the direction I was hoping it would take. Yeah, Demon Slayer is my number eight for all the same reasons. I have Dr. Stone at number eight, because I found the twist, for lack of a better word, in this chapter of Dr. Stone really interesting. They're going a hard different direction with it where most of the cast just got re-petrified. Yeah. And that's like a huge new threat. Yeah. And also it like shrinks the cast. I'm sad that the captain got petrified because he's kind of my favorite character right now, but. The captain Chrome, I think. But I also assume they're going to get the platinum pretty quickly and be able to restore them. Yeah. But it is a cool new threat that kind of adds urgency to the series that I feel like it needs. Yeah. Clearly somebody on the island or near the island has the petrification beam available to them. So at least Dr. Stone is going to new interesting places. Yeah. As opposed to just kind of dawdling around doing nothing. Invention of the week. Yep. So my number seven was Act Age. I did kind of like this Act Age. It's kind of like setting up the villains for this next arc. It's not even necessarily the villains, right? I get more of a rival, like Sasuke and Naruto feel. Maybe, but I, I guess the villain is that PR guy. Yeah, I guess. Um, but it it just had some interesting stuff. I was like, at first I thought it was stupid. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, this I got to frame it like a shonen manga. And it makes a lot more sense where they're like explaining who, at the very least, the antagonist of this chapter is going to be. Yeah. And I also really like, I guess, the reveal at the end is that they're going to do another play, but that Kay and her rival character are going to alternate playing the lead, which is something that, you know, any actor with any fame is afraid of because you're are obviously going to be compared to the other. Yeah. But because they have that rival relationship, they're both like excited to show the other up. Yep. I put it a bit higher. I have We Never Learn at number seven because I had fun with it. But like I said, it seemed very transition-y, so. Yep. Not my favorite chapter this week, but I was not disappointed by it. Yep. So at number six, I have The Promised Neverland. A lot of the reason why it's a bit lower at the top of my list is just because it was weird. Like, it had some really cool art, but it was just one of those things of, like, it's just kind of weird, and that threw me off, which was the point of it, but that's just kind of why it went down a little bit compared to some of the other chapters. I have My Hero Academia at number six because I just, I like Toga, but I this chapter didn't do a ton for me. I guess letting her copy other people's powers is cool and interesting and it makes her a bigger threat, but it's also kind of the obvious thing to do. Yeah. So my number five was Food Wars because 
again, it was just like, it was nice that this wasn't, all right, and here's Soma's dish, like we were kind of expecting. And we had a little bit more backstory into like this weird thing, but it was a, this very weird tangent to go on. Yeah, um, and I feel like bringing Aaron as dad is the least solution-y solution to anything. I feel like he's going to he's going to matter at some point. I do too. Or maybe like by saving Mana, they're going to save him, help save him as well, or something like that. Or there's going to be like he's there for the reconciliation. Like, all right, you need to be here to do the reconciliation, even though like you're not actually important to what's going on right now. I feel at the very least like Joichiro has a plan because usually he does. Yes, but it just does seem like a jerk move to bring this asshole. Yep. My number five is Act Age. I, like I said when we were talking about it just now, I just think I liked it a little bit more than you. Yeah. I'm really excited to see where it goes. And I like this rival character for Kay and her whole attitude towards it, where she's like, hey, I know I'm just an idol. I know I'm only going to last for at most two years, but I will be on top for those two years no matter what. Yep. So my number four was We Never Learn. It was cute and funny, We Never Learn. And I I liked a bit more insight into Asumi. Asumi? Yeah. Asumi's character. And the, like, I always liked the shenanigans. So I liked the joke at the end of he was like, no, when I said we were playing doctor, I didn't mean <laughs> dressing you up at the maid cafe and giving you a fond memory. I meant this and laying her down bridal style on the bed. Yeah. And I assume he's just going to be like, you should follow your dream and be a doctor. That's the whole point of this entire series. Look at all the other characters. Yeah. It definitely you has. You're going to follow your dream, damn it. Like everyone else. <laughs> be like everyone else and achieve your dream. I have promised Neverland at number four. I think I always rate art a little higher than you do. And it was just really good, this chapter. So, and I yeah. am very excited slash curious to see where this is going. Yeah, I think the the top of my list was definitely very close and where a lot of stuff went. There was, a, like you said, it's not a ton happened in a lot of these chapters, probably because Golden Week is next week. So they wanted to leave strong cliffhangers, but not have too much going on where people would be almost frustrated that they have to wait another week. Or forget after two weeks, like, yeah. what was happening again? Uh, so my number three, right? Yep. Yeah, my number three was My Hero. I just liked the whole Toga gets a mid-battle power-up shonen protagonist style a lot more. I liked a lot more insight into the kind of the reason why she acts the way she does. And it was kind of like society made her feel weird because she liked blood because that's what her quirk was based on and yeah so everyone tried to put her in a box and that made her come out wrong because rather than letting her be her they tried to make her something else and the reporter's like that's what we're all about you could be like our poster child practically yeah well you're gonna have to die to do it but <laughs> it'll be a trash it'll be great yep i have food wars at number three i think i just really like this like lost shakespeare play about Erina's mom and dad yeah. and their romance and how like grumpy he was but how she like brought out a good side of him i don't know i just really liked all those flashback scenes yeah plus alice is here i love alice yeah but she basically just shows up <laughs> and is like hey jerichiro we got that guy for you and then is gone yeah but i know but she could do i mean she's now. still there like i get that it's nice to have alice back but it's like she it's just basically her going like i'm here goodbye <laughs> hey jimmy true what's your weird plan i don't know dude in like probably three chapters from now i don't even know what my own weird plan is but i know <laughs> i've got one so my number two was one piece this was still a pretty good chapter of one piece i liked the even though it it didn't feel fast to me but like you said the reveal of 
Otoko's dad being or Toko's dad being a samurai. It was a pretty yeah. obvious reveal. It was clearly what they were hinting at. Yeah. It just seems like they were hinting at it last week. I also have one piece at number two, despite saying being kind of negative about it when we were talking about it. Because like I said, the humor really landed and it is escalating towards like a climax the way One Piece does, where yeah. it's setting up a powder keg that's about to explode. Oh, and one thing to kind of so it wasn't just that that guy was a the hedgehog was a samurai lord. He had also been playing Robin Hood in the twenty years since Lord Odin's revolt. Yeah. Like they initially captured him looking at for him as Robin Hood and being like, You'll never believe who Robin Hood turned out to be. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. And so that makes our mutual number one yeah, again. Last, last Sayuki. Sayuki. It's very good. It's you super. should read it. It's free. I mean, the first ch- six chapters will cost you a buck ninety nine, but it's really, really good. I, another thing I was talking about with Neolation, I think part of the reason it was canceled was probably its first volume didn't do very well. Probably. And there is a certain frustration that as Americans, we can't really influence these young series at all. Like we can't buy the last Sayuki volume one when it comes out. It's at least got to be translated. Yeah. And who knows how far down the line that is. A lot of these Shonen Jump series don't get translated like volumes for a while. Like I don't know if Neolation the... ever will come out in America. In Probably not. Form. It depends on their popularity, which is usually a lot of the problem. Like it's all of this stuff is DVD sales and sales for a lot of things. And it's like I I can't just buy most of the time, I just literally can't buy the Japanese DVD. And even if I did, I don't speak Japanese. And as much as I would like to support it, it feel I would feel bad just literally throwing money at them, especially because they'll only like the creator will only get a portion yeah. of the thing. Like it'd be different if I could donate directly to them, like with Patreon that a lot of artists do, or Ko-Fi or whatever tip service you use, where it's like all right, well, I could buy their artwork or I could give them money directly so that I don't have to deal with the distributor and all the other production companies. Like, I can just give you money to keep doing what you want to do. And it does feel a little frustrating when it's like, I, especially when you find a series that has died. Yeah. And you find out about it afterwards. And you're like, oh man, it'd be so cool if they, they would get any more. Uh, oh, there's not going to be a season two. But I really liked season one. Yeah, and like I said, the only place I could really find out about Neolation's cancellation was the Neolation Reddit. And it was mostly a bunch of people like, oh, I love this series. Why is it getting canceled? And why I do not understand those people. I do feel for them. Yeah. And it's just frustrating that all we can do for Last Sayuki is pay the $1.99 we already are and read it. Because I yeah. do know that the English side of Shonen Jump counts clicks on the free manga to determine what volumes they're going to release. So listeners go read last sayuki for us yeah for your friends please as as little as it probably helps because not a it's only two bucks a month and of that two dollars it's probably like a nickel maybe oh probably less than that goes to that guy but i mean just like if the interest is clearly there yeah that's a better sign or or at least it'll get us the english collected version faster because i would buy these like the first seven ish chapters of this yeah that's pretty good volume all right, so speaking of volumes, though, that leads us into volume two of Dragon Ball, the first manga we're going to revisit for this podcast, which you can hear us talk about after the break. I love Dragon Ball. 
So we read Dragon Ball Volume 2 this week. And way back in our first episode when we read Dragon Ball Volume 1, I talked about how I was kind of surprised how little it covered. But when we read Volume 2, I was actually really surprised how like far in the story it gets. Yeah, I had the exact same feeling. It was like, Volume 1 felt like nothing happened. Volume 2 felt like everything happened. Unfortunately, I don't know that I liked it that much more. Reading this volume, I was really struck by how much localization and translation had to go into it. Just because so much of it is pun-based humor. There's one chapter in particular that's almost all puns. And it's so weird to be rating this translation of it when you have to know a lot of those jokes had to be changed. But then you don't know which ones. Yep. Like, in particular... Pilaf shows up and is dealt with in this volume. Yep. And the narrator refers to him and his group as the Reich Pilaf. And I was like, oh, that's kind of in weird taste nowadays with all the Nazi stuff going on until I like kind of said it in my brain and got the pun. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Hub, that is clever. Was that the original pun or did they have to translate it somehow? I'm guessing they had to translate it because I don't think Reich translates over in Japanese. Very yeah, well. but at the same time, they had a relationship with the Nazis, so... It's totally possible. It's just one of those things of, especially... So not only are we suffering for the English to Japanese translation of puns, we're also suffering from the fact that this was written... In the 80s? In the 80s. I was going to say more than 20 years ago. And the tone of the humor has changed, even in J- current Japanese manga. Well, and yeah, that's the main reason why I don't think this works very well. A lot of the puns I actually thought were funny. Uh, so either the translator or Toriyama, it's hard to say, was doing a good job. Yeah. But there's still a lot of that sexual humor. Not as nearly as much as in Volume 1. No. But there's still some of it that just makes me kind of shake my head and just isn't funny. Yeah. And a lot of it is just probably tonal changes in culture. So... Over there, it's seen as funny, and over here, it's seen as weird. Yeah. And so, because it's seen as weird, it comes off as not as funny. But, like, I feel like also at the time, Master Roshi was probably kind of a subversion of the typical, like, super wise master yeah. archetype. But now he feels like an old relic, like, as the old pervy master. You don't really see that anymore. When you see perverse characters, they've got a very different tone. Yeah. And he just comes off very poorly. Yeah, but a lot of that is probably a bunch of these more current perverse old masters. We're kind of based on Master Roshi being a subversion of the traditional stoic old, master. Yeah, the stoic master. So it's copy of a copy of a copy kind of thing where, I, I mean, eventually everything changes, but it's weird going back to basically the original and being like, oh, that's what he was like. Yeah, and it, like it just, it doesn't. It doesn't hold up, I guess, is what I'm going to say about it. On the other hand, like I said, a lot of the puns kind of do. Like, there's this thing where Pilaf is like, yes, I will take over the world, and I will be a mild and tender master. Yes. I'm like, ah, that's actually kind of funny. And there's, like, a whole chapter that's about how Pilaf doesn't want to engage in gross and perverse humor that I think actually still really works. Yeah, so his... His torture was blowing a kiss at Bulma. And where she's like, oh, I bet you're going to do all sorts of perverse things to me, like stripping me naked and groping my breasts. He's like, oh, no, I would never. Yeah. They're like, oh, my God, she's a pervert. Yeah. What is wrong with you? 
which I really like. And also, this is just a thing about manga. This is still true today. But seeing Bulma flip someone off, just like casually flip them the bird, just seems super weird since you can't do that in anime. Yeah. Like, I know that's a modern thing. Trafficker Law is like first appearance in the manga. It's just him casually flipping off Luffy. Yep. But at well, the... doesn't he have tattoos on his hands, too? So, yeah. it, like, it, it comes off even better. Yeah. Uh, but it's just super weird to see, like, Bulma, of all people, flipping the bird to someone. Even though she's 16 and she definitely would. Yeah. It's just something that really stuck out to me. So, is there much you want to say about this? I also think we see some of Akira Toriyama's good art really on display here. Yeah. There's not as anything as good as that broken panel in the first volume. No. But there's some really good cartooning shots, especially some reaction shots that we see. Yeah. And the first time we see Master Roshi do the Kamehameha, you can tell this is the guy who's going to do Dragon Ball Z. Like, the way he draws Roshi bulking out as a transformation, yep. the, like, sequence of the Kamehameha and everyone's reaction, it all reads perfectly, even today. Yeah. And I think, I do think I enjoyed this a bit more than Volume 1 because it covered more ground. So... While some of the jokes in Volume 1 didn't land, this at least felt like the story was progressing. So maybe the same amount of jokes landed, and it was still kind of funny, but at least stuff was happening. I didn't feel like they're just kind of like wandering around doing nothing. I feel like a lot of the timing on the comedy is better, too. Like, there's one chapter that ends with them trapped in prison and about to die. And Bulma's like, oh, no, I'm too young to be a mummy. And, you know, very comedic. And yep. then I, I can't remember who talks second, but it's a little more serious. And then Yamcha has like a full on, oh, I wanted to get married, like super sad. But then uh, Poros is like, I have to pee. And Goku's like, I'm hungry. Yep. Like, so you get the full gamut of like starting completely like low stakes, like going up and then going back down. Yeah. And it's like a perfectly paced joke. Yeah, it was really good. And there's some good visual humor in here, too. There's the infamous bit where Oolong interrupts Pilaf's wish by wishing for panties. But the dragon has this like reaction shot that looks like Team Four Star edited him he just looks so incredulous before yep. he grants the wish and it really works yeah and then there's also a bit where like pilaf just draws arrows into his trap and the team just finds him and he's just like that was improbably easy yeah because i did like, not oh, actually think that would work yeah they're like oh there's a bunch of arrows on the ground let's follow them they probably lead somewhere and even he was like i can't believe you fell for that like i didn't think anyone was that stupid but at the same time, stuff like, you can tell why the Kamehameha became such an iconic thing. Yeah. Because both the first time he draws Roshi doing it and the first time he draws Goku doing it, it looks super good. Yeah. And it's exciting to watch, even though it's just kind of the process of the hand motions. Yeah. Um, and similarly, both the transformations in this uh, volume, both Goku turning into a giant monkey and Roshi like bulking out, looks so much like Super Saiyan's going to look in five years. Yep. But you can really tell Toriyama's talented, even though I don't super like what's going on here. And reading this right after Neolation got canceled, it was hard not to think about that, especially when in chapter 23 is basically a, the end moment. That could have been the end of this series. And I feel yep. like if Akira Toriyama wasn't already an established name, it would have been. If he hadn't already had six or 17 volumes of Dr. Slump I, selling super well. I do not think so at all. I think you're just you're not liking it as much because of the tone because there is a Dr. Slump reference in here where Pilaf is like, no, we're not going to use base humor. Like in Dr. Slump, 
where one of his subordinates is holding poo on a stick. Well, I also just know historically Dragon Ball was not popular until the martial arts tournament arc, which is the next one. So I wonder if sale-wise and popularity-wise, if Toriyama wasn't already established, would he have gotten to get that far? Maybe, maybe not. But again, because he was probably established, that probably got people interested in the first place. Like, oh, it's him doing another work. Just like with a lot of actors doing movies. Like, it's like, oh, that guy's in a new movie? I'll go see it. Or like Samurai 8 coming out in two weeks. Yeah. Oh, it's the guy from Naruto? Well, I'll go check it out. Yeah. We didn't even talk about Monster Carrot, who I love, but he's only in here for two chapters, so. Yeah, he's really only in here for one. Yeah, and it's not even a great chapter, but I just, he's a very Naruto-ish villain. He doesn't really work in a Dragon Ball context. He's kind of too powerful and doesn't work to the way Akira Toriyama does fight scenes. Yeah. But I love the joke of him just turning people into carrots. And there's this weird, like, Goku has this reaction to the word carrot, like he knows, he's like, I've heard that before. Yep. When you know Kira Toriyama didn't think Goku was a space alien named Kakarot when he wrote this. That's not how Akira Toriyama works. No. But it's this weird, cool coincidence. Yeah. And there's this bit later where Oolong's like, when? What is he, a space alien? And I have to believe that's in the translation and was not in the original. And maybe that is. But I definitely liked it more than Volume 1, like you. But I still, like, if it wasn't Dragon Ball, if I hadn't grown up watching Dragon Ball Z, if I didn't know where this was going, I don't know that I would call another volume of this. Yeah, and again, I think a lot of that is just the tone of the humor and the cultural aspects of it. Like, maybe that's why the martial arts tournament did so well, is because... It wasn't focused on the humor. It was focused on the art of the fight scenes, which is the things you really liked about this volume. So that would be something that like everyone or a more broader audience could get behind as opposed to the audience that liked Dr. Slump and the humor of these first two volumes. We're also going to get Krillin, who I think is a key part of Dragon Ball. Yeah. I think that's a super important character to the entire like concept. He's not really in the Boo Saga, which is maybe the worst saga. Yeah. Or maybe the early peel-off stuff is. Hard to say. We will definitely be reading Volume 3 at some point, but I think as we continue to read early Shonen stuff through summer, we're going to see a lot of that. Like Yu Yu Hakusho, Yu-Gi-Oh!, even Naruto to a lesser degree, don't really know what they are at first, and it takes them a while to get there. Yeah, but that's not too weird to think about, especially with some of these guys not necessarily being their first big breaks but definitely the first of the their kind not their kind but the first like naruto was the first one that that guy had done in that style yeah i just like i said in the context of neolation getting canceled this week i really have to wonder what could neolation have been if it had gotten more time yeah and maybe the answer is the manga we hated to read every week but yeah well and i feel like a lot of that is also probably kind of a first come first served of Back in the day, there were less people who thought that they could make manga be amazing. So they had more, these manga had more time to establish themselves versus I'm betting Shonen Jump Now has hundreds of people that want to submit ideas to get into Shonen Jump. And like Shonen Jump First, which is their digital only like extra thing, has 30 series going on it right now, most of which aren't available in English. But like there are 30 series on like the B tier. Yeah. So yeah, it's an, like I said, I feel really bad for the Neolation guy because he almost got it and didn't get there. 
And the, the competition is incredible, which is why so many of the manga are so good. Like it's, you know, like Food Wars, you have to create this incredibly tense environment with all this competition to have the cream rise to the top. Yep. Um, it just makes me wonder what some of this could have been. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to say about Dragon Ball? Not really. Okay. Well, that leads us to personality power level then. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level? So personality power level is the list where we rank manga characters from best to worst. And this is the first time we are revisiting a series. So do we want to move Goku? I think the answer is pretty much no, because Goku is one of my like North stars when I'm ranking characters. Well, and also we know Goku's story and ranked him accordingly. We didn't go like, this is volume one Goku and he's going to sit here. This is Goku, the character. I think when we go back to some of the characters that we do not know more about and we get more of their story, we might move them. But I think Goku's fine where he is because we put him as all of Goku. Like we've seen for the most part, except for Dragon Ball Super, all of his story. I was going to say small counterpoint. We have seen that Broly movie since we ranked him, for example. Yes. But Goku's not a very dynamic changing character. No, he didn't change. Personality wise, he didn't change at all during the Broly movie. And from what I've seen of Dragon Ball Super, he hasn't done any personality changes either. So, who do we want to add from Dragon Ball to our list? There are, I think, a lot of candidates. We could put Pilaf on, although I don't think Pilaf. I, I like the idea of adding antagonists into this list, which is currently only protagonists. But I think, like, I feel like Pilaf works better as the series continues than he does in this. Yeah. Um,. Do we want to put Bulma on? She's the character that makes the most sense to me. I think we're at one point even going to argue that we put her on first because she's the protagonist more than Goku early yeah. on. And I feel, yeah, I feel like Bulma's the the correct choice here because while Pilaf technically is in volume two, like you said, he doesn't really feel like the villain right now. Like he was just an antagonist. So Bulma's better than Goku, right? If yes. we're being real. Like, she's the character that gets to stick around when Dragon Ball becomes about these big fights. And Akira Toriyama does justice to Bulma at varying degrees. Like, she almost has nothing to do in the Saiyan saga. She just gets to whine in the Namek saga, which is really too bad. But then in the Android saga, she gets to, like, be important again. Yep. And in the stuff that's happened since the manga ended, like the Battle of Gods and Super stuff, like, in all of those movies, Bulma gets to be a on-point character who yeah. contributes to the story. So I I feel bad comparing her to Luffy. I don't know where to go. I guess the female shonen character we have is Emma from Promise Neverland, and I don't think she's as good as Emma. No, I like Emma more. How do we think she compares to Yona from Yona of the Dot? I think I would put her higher right now. A lot of that is probably being more familiar with Bulma and seeing her entire thing. But I, I would as well. I've still been meaning to watch the Yona of the Dawn anime because that's available on Crunchyroll, but I haven't seen any of it. So I would put her above Yona right now. Again, Yona is one of the characters that has more potential if we revisit. Even if we choose to put someone else on the list, we'll like if we go back to volume two, we'll probably move her because her story will change a little bit and maybe we'll like her more or less depending on how it changes. And right above Yona, we have Kei Saranuma for Kiss Him, Not Me. I think she's probably better than Kay as well, for similar reasons. Yeah. Uh, right above her, we have a character who's half-girl, Ranma. I think I like her a bit more than Ranma. Ranma's kind of limited by his trope. Yeah. And how long that series goes. Yeah. 
Not that I've seen too much of Rama one half, so maybe he changes more as the story progresses, but I think I do like Bulma more. We're definitely getting close. How do you think she compares to Guts, since you're more the berserk person than I am? I like Guts more for different reasons, but I do like Guts as a character more than Bulma. I think he has a lot more going about him, and obviously she's more of a comedy character versus his serious Sanin character, but I do like him more. All right, so Bulma Brees will go at number seven, above Ranma and below Guts. Which is still a pretty good showing, all things considered. Yeah. So we are going to take next week off, because like we said, there is no show and jump next week due to Golden Week. Uh, what are we going to read the week after that, though, Kevin? We are going to be reading One Punch Man, Volume 1, and specifically the manga, not the webcomic. Yes. Which I'm kind of excited about. I'm a One Punch Man fan, not as much as Kevin, but yeah. I do enjoy that series, so it should be pretty fun to look at the manga. Yeah. The manga, the artist currently drawing for one, because that's the author's name, is uh, Murata. And man, he is amazing at some, like, he's amazing at his manga. And then there are some of these still panels that look incredible, that look so incredible that people always complain when the anime doesn't get the still panel proper to what Murata did. And a lot of people kind of rightly point out, listen, just because, like, yeah, that was awesome, but that was a single shot of the monster. There's no way somebody could animate that thing moving around for the three minutes of a fight and not have it take, like, two months in order to do. All right, so that basically does it. In the meantime, if you want to listen to our old episodes, see what we thought about Dragon Ball Volume 1, or check out the personality power level list, you can do that at www.lastpodcast.com. That's our website. You can also find the link to our Discord there. That's the easiest way to chat with us if you want to say anything about Dragon Ball or suggest some other shonen manga for us to read this summer. You can also find my other two podcasts there, Last Time on Video Games, my video game podcast, as well as It's a Gundam, our episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast that is at the good point of Gundam Seed. And by the good point, I mean the best point. Most of Gundam Seed is quite good. Uh, Our opening theme is Fighting Against One's Will by Midair Machine. Our closing theme is A Psychic Fist Fight by Tom W. Emerit. Other music is by Spectacular Sound Productions, and our album art is by Kate Wind on DeviantArt. If you like the podcast, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice, or just tell a friend to read The Last Sayuki for us. That would be great. Kevin, is there anything you want to plug this week? Have a nice golden week, guys. Yeah, I don't celebrate, although there is a pretty good PS4 sale going on. If you want to pick up Jump Force, don't, but it is on sale, as well as the Kingdom Heart games and a few other things. Mostly stuff I already have, though. Yeah. But we will see you guys in two weeks. Gotta stop.